Good morning, everybody. Just wanted to remind you that I will be at the church today from 11.15 to 1.15 to give you an opportunity to come and drop off your gifts for people helping people. So please come by and do so. Uh, we're just going to have the doors open. You can come in, drop your gift off, and then uh, be on your way to enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I also wanted to let you know that as of right now in this moment, we don't have a decision on what the upcoming services look like. Uh, you should be getting that sometime early this week, even as early as tomorrow, Monday, or Tuesday. So uh, we'll get you that information as soon as we can. fact of the matter is there's no 100% slam dunk um, decision that can be made. And so, uh, we're going to just take a little bit of time to make sure that we're prayerfully considering what our options are and making sure that we are making the wisest decision that we can make as a leadership team. And so once we have that decision locked down, um, I will come out to you guys with a video. I'll let you know exactly what we're looking at and why we've made the decision that we've made. So, um, we hope that, again, this finds you well and that you enjoy service today, and we just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. All right, well, we're going to get started here in a second. Uh, just want to remind you that we are all together here this morning, even if we're not all in the same room. You have your family, you have your friends, even if you're alone this morning watching the stream and worshiping along with us, we are with you. Your, your church family is with you this morning, singing these songs, looking up these scriptures, hearing from Paul, uh, worshiping God together. We're all, we're all together this morning. So as we are now, you know, especially now that we're in December, really getting into the Christmas season, just want to encourage you to think about the things that uh, that we learn from about Christ and learn from God the Father about what Christmas has to say to us and how it's going to inspire us to live our own lives. So we'll get to hear from Paul here in a second and, and like I said, dive into Scripture and really explore that together. But let's start out by singing a couple songs just to prepare our hearts for the message. Uh, would you join me in singing this morning as we, um, before we, just, we get into the Word together? Take my 
Him, we follow him every day. Tell you this song last week. Uh, wanted to remind us of it uh, again this morning and sing it, uh, sing it together. It's called uh, Battle Belongs. It's all about him, he's in control. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There is nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you There's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When all I see is a cross, God, you see an empty tomb. Yes, you do. So when I fight, I fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. The battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, 
God, for taking all of our battles upon yourself and winning them for us. We love you. God never gives you more than you can handle. Now, that's a saying that was created to make people feel better when they're going through tough times. But as far as its biblical basis, there isn't one. I would even argue and tell you today that sometimes God does give you more than you can handle. And that if he isn't the one giving it to you, at the very least, he sometimes allows that to happen. Because frankly, in life, there are situations that we face that we can't tackle all on our own. It's in those times when we face those decisions that our character is built. It's how we handle those situations that define us as men and women. Today we look at Joseph for part three of our series, The Cast of Christmas, and we look at how he handled that type of situation. And we'll see that when his world came crashing down, Joseph looked to God for direction. And we should all follow his lead. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on Joseph that's been kind of customary for the last two weeks, but I'm going to tell you up front, there's not a lot that we know really about him because outside of this Christmas story, Joseph isn't mentioned really again. Now, what we do know is this. Joseph wasn't the biological father of Jesus. We give that credit to God. Remember, the Spirit came on Mary, and and through that, she became with child. But he was Jesus' earthly father. We know that he passed on his profession of carpentry to Jesus. Uh, we know that he taught them that skill from a passage in Matthew 13, 54 through 55, where Jesus is referred to as the carpenter's son. We also see in other gospels that Jesus himself is referred to as the carpenter. And so we know that uh, through that, that, that he had that type of relationship with Joseph. We also know that Joseph was a righteous and honorable man and well-practiced in listening to God's leading and God's will for his life. Not just through the story that we're about to dive into and look at, but also through his willingness to uproot his family and move to Egypt at God's behest to make sure that that he kept Jesus safe from Herod while Herod was seeking to end Jesus' life. And and so we know that that Joseph isn't afraid to uh, turn his back on his own plan to make sure that he's following God's plan. All of these things combined made him an excellent spiritual leader for Jesus. And honestly, that's about as much as we know about him. Now, if we look in Matthew chapter 1 is where we'll be today. We're going to start in verses 18 and 19. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So while we're in this passage, we've talked about this already, but Mary and Joseph are in their betrothal period. Remember, betrothal is married, just not living together. So it's more than an engagement. Now, this period, this betrothal period traditionally lasted a year. And the idea behind it was um, that you could guarantee that a woman's sexual purity was in place because if she was to become pregnant, that somehow would happen within a year's time. And so it was during this period that he was given the information that would just be absolutely heartbreaking. It would have crushed him that Mary was with child. And it's during this time that Joseph shows us that honor comes only with personal cost. You know, Joseph was uh, famous for being the father of Jesus. That's what we all know him for being. But he became a beloved biblical character based on how he handles the news of Mary's pregnancy. As we previously stated in the series, just very briefly, I told you I would talk about it more when we talked about Joseph. Uh, Joseph had every right to demand justice in this situation. According to the law, Joseph could have demanded Mary's death. And and he, he... was battling all these things that you have to imagine are going through his mind. First and foremost, hurt pride, a broken heart, a tainted future. His life as he expected it to be was now forever changed. And then he has all these outside societal norms and pressures that are weighing on him to make sure that that he seeks justice and vengeance and, and is 
upheld by the law. And all of these things lean to Joseph taking the path of retribution, but he sacrificed self-gratification to divorce her quietly. That shows two things. First and foremost, it shows that he truly loved Mary. It also shows that he was a man of honor and a man of grace. And in a way, I think that this was a test that, that God was laying on Joseph because he was tasking Joseph with being the father to his son while his son grew up here on earth. And he needed to make sure that he had godly qualities in order to, to, to make sure that Jesus was brought up in the best possible way. And Joseph had to know that if he went public with, with this information, if he would have came out blustering and angry that the judges at the city gate, because that's how things went down, people would bring their, their cases, they'd bring their grievances to the judges at the city gate, and then the judges would rule. And he had to know that those judges would rule that Mary should be stoned to death for her sin, because that's what the law required. And Joseph wanted to protect her from that. And in doing so, not only did he want to save her life, and not only did he save her life, but he saved her at least in part from a lot of public shame and her family from a lot of public shame. We look at this and we celebrate Joseph as a man of character and a man of honor because he didn't, he didn't go after what, what he could have. He didn't rightfully take what was his. But we have to understand that he, he didn't get this celebratory status, this man of character, this man of, this man of honor without great personal sacrifice. And we need to understand that, that neither will we. You know, when we talk about somebody who's honorable, we never kind of mention people who just do what they necessarily say that they're going to do. Let me explain. So for instance, if you work for a company, any company, right? And, and your agreed upon wage is $14 an hour. We wouldn't say, oh, they're so honorable because they paid you the $14 an hour that you both agreed upon. But now let's say that in some course of events, <clears throat> you got really ill and you couldn't work for three or four weeks. And so you miss out on that wage, but your, your company decides, hey, they're going to pay you that wage anyways. Then we would look at them and we would say, what an honorable thing to do. We see this in college athletics a lot, and you guys know how much I love sports. And so there will be a lot of times where a college athlete has a scholarship opportunity and he's committed to go to a school or she's committed to go to a school and then tragedy strikes. I remember a story of a Michigan basketball player a few years ago whose family all died in a plane crash that, that he was greatly injured in. And he was a big-time basketball recruit, and he had this scholarship to Michigan, but there was just no way that he was going to be able to play to the level that they had expected him to play when they had offered him this scholarship. And frankly, they had every right to, to withdraw that scholarship and say, you know, the agreement was that you would play for us at this level, and you can no longer do that. And so we're going to use this scholarship for another athlete who, who can kind of play up to this level. But instead, they said, no, we're going to honor our scholarship to you because we made this promise to you, and, and really, we understand that this event was completely out of your control. And I know this story because it was celebrated as Michigan doing such an honorable thing. And we look at it, and we can easily say, now, oh, that's the right thing to do. But also, we can look at it and say, it was a really honorable thing for, for the Michigan basketball program to do as well. You know, I'd rather be known for a man of honor and a man of good character than a man that took the acceptable route. You see, Joseph could have taken the acceptable route. The acceptable route would have been to lay Mary's business out for everyone to know. The acceptable route would have led to her death. And Joseph could have taken that route, but he didn't. I'd rather be silent and fortify the kingdom of God than bluster at the expense of it. My life has value because God has made it so. I 100% believe that to be true. My life, as Paul Huff, pastor of Crosspoint, 
only has value because God has intrinsically made that so. And every good thing that I have, I can look back to him and thank him for and see how he played a role in ensuring that I receive it. And so in turn, I want my life to speak to who he is rather than what I deserve in certain situations, if that makes sense, or rather than what I think is acceptable. Even if I'm justified, even if I have cause, I would much rather point people towards Jesus and lose personally than, than lead them away from the cross and somehow gain something here on earth. It's just not an exchange that I'm willing to make. You know, Joseph left behind what he was owed and doing so exemplified the grace of God. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21, it says, Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Life, prosperity, and honor. And we've talked about this in the past, but worldly righteousness is about falling inside the lines of what's acceptable. And we talked about that a, a few weeks ago, how, how we can be within, in the law and still not be doing something that's godly. And so Joseph could have been within the law. He could have been within the lines of what was acceptable. But I don't believe that it was the godly route to take. And he shows us such a great example because he chose to to go another way. Joseph shows us that once again, true righteousness is behaving in a godly manner, acting in a way that also keeps us from putting our feet in our mouths. I want you to think about this because this kind of dawned on me this week. What if Joseph gets this news from Mary and he he just goes out and he goes kind of crazy and he's just seeking vengeance and he can't wait to tell everybody, let me tell you what Mary did. Can you believe her? I can. She did this and she must have done that. And he could have gone to the city gate and he could have told the judges, my my betrothed, she's cheated on me. She's with child. And I promise you, we were not together. He could have done all these things only to have the angel still come and be like, hey, Joseph, uh, this child's from God. And then he would have been like, oh, no. And his actions, honestly, already completed, may have taken things way too far. We talked about how last week that sometimes our response to a situation completely changes the outcome that God has intended in the first place. And I can only imagine what Joseph choosing the other fork in the road, so to speak, would have done to the Christmas story. When we act in such a manner, when we are slow to anger and slow to speak and we take time to think through things, we allow truth to flourish. And Joseph shows us another thing, that truth is more important than others' false opinions. Truth is more important than others' false opinions. In Matthew 1, verse 20 through 23, it says, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know what I'm thankful for today? I'm thankful that the truth was enough for Joseph. I'm thankful that the truth was enough for Joseph, because if we're all honest, we have all faced times in our life where the truth just isn't enough for us. He wasn't concerned at all about optics. He wasn't concerned at all about how he would look through this situation. Well, what's it going to look like if people see that Mary's pregnant before our year-long betrothal? What will people think of me as a man if they find out that this child that's hers isn't mine? I can imagine that his friends and his family and his neighbors and his community had very strong opinions about Mary once the news got out. And also had very strong opinions about Joseph 
once they found out that he wasn't seeking vengeance and wasn't seeking retribution. How they must have talked, how they must have gossiped, how they must have looked at him as weak and stupid. But Joseph didn't care about the outside opinions. He didn't care about what things looked like. All he needed, all he needed was the truth that was bestowed upon him by God. All he needed was to know that God was behind his actions and his choice. And unfortunately, sometimes as Christians, I don't think that that's enough for us because we worry so much about what the outside world is going to think about how we behave and what we do. All he needed was the truth, and the truth was that Mary had remained faithful. He had God's truth, and it influenced the way that he lived his life. And I think that that's kind of the epitome of Christian living, is letting God's truth define the way that you and I live our lives. Too often, we let optics influence our decision. We let the way the world is going to see our situation influence the choices that we make. What's it going to look like if I talk about my faith in this situation? What if I bring up my belief in Jesus? What if I try to share the gospel? What if I embarrass myself in the process? What if they know more than me? What if they just yell in my face for trying to share? Anybody have that kind of irrational fear? And you know, sometimes not so irrational. I've been in very few conversations about Jesus where somebody has just yelled at me for sharing my faith, but I've also heard of it happening as well because as passionate as we are about our faith, people who look upon our faith as foolishness are equally as passionate about why we are foolish. And so we have that fear. What if they tell people I was pushy and aggressive with my faith? What if they accuse me of being a Bible beater? Right? Like I'm just going around smacking people in the face with the Holy Scriptures. We don't want that opinion of ourselves. What will it look like if I hold my brother or sister accountable for their sins and all they do is get angry with me? What if they start telling lies about me to my mutual friends? I've been in this situation myself. It's not an easy one to handle, and I'll be up front and tell you I did not handle it in a godly way. What if it turns into this giant argument and the only thing that comes of it is that we now have a broken relationship and they think that I'm judgy? What if I forgive them for the hurt that they caused and the world thinks that I'm weak? What if people try to take advantage of me after this because in this instance I showed grace? Will they think that I think that I was wrong? We can't avoid making godly decisions because of what others may think of us in the process. Follow God's will and depend on His truth. Rest easy knowing that, that you are doing the will of the Father. And let everything else just lay at the wayside. False thoughts, allegations, they aren't your problem. I look at Joseph in a different light this week. You know, it's so easy to say, well, obviously he did the right thing now, all these years later, hearing the story over and over and over again. But Joseph, making the decision that he made in his day and age, showed real courage and bravery and faith and obedience and love and perseverance and righteousness, and humbleness. Does it not sound as if I'm describing Jesus? Have no doubt that Joseph played such a large role in the character of Christ and who Christ became. Be courageous, be steadfast, be true. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is that you 
can look at yourself in the mirror. At the end of the day, if you can go home and you can look yourself in the mirror and you can say, I truly, firmly believe that I followed the will of God in this situation, that I did exactly what he wanted me to do. Then I'm here to tell you, don't worry about the rest. Don't worry about false opinions. Don't worry about what things may look like. Don't worry about the lies that people will tell about you. Don't worry about any of it. Do your best to be your best. And understand that being your best is being as godly as humanly possible. The last thing that Joseph teaches us in this situation, this is one of the things that, at least in the story, I never really recognized before, but he teaches us that obeying God is always preferable to your traditions. And I'll explain what I mean. We're going to be in Matthew, again, chapter 1, verses 24 through 25. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. You know, Joseph gets the message loud and clear. And he acts immediately. Immediately. But you know what? Their year-long betrothal period... It wasn't done yet. It wasn't done yet. You see, tradition would have said that you wait for that year until you bring the woman home to be your wife. But Joseph hears from God and he acts immediately. Immediately, he throws years upon years of tradition the way that everyone else in his day and age would have been doing it to the wayside. Because God spoke, he moved. Because God spoke, he moved. You know, one way that that we all know that a wrong turn is about to be taken is the statement, well, that's how we've always done it. No, that's how we've always done it. If God is moving or progress is being made, and the response to that is, well, we can't do that because we've always done it this way. We are stifling the spirit, and that's a problem. That is an absolute problem. Tradition can be a very good thing. It can be, but it can also be the enemy of progress. And I think that it's important as people, especially as Christians, that we have an answer for why we do the things the way that we do them. Not just, well, that's the way I was taught. Not just, Well, this is the way it's always been for me. Not just our tradition says this. Because when God moves, when God speaks, when he's pushing us in a direction, we need to go immediately, regardless of what tradition says we should do. Joseph's action to go and take Mary as his wife and to bring her home as his wife wasn't one done with his tail between his legs. You kind of all know I'm talking about that. That dog that you scold and they tuck the tail and their head drops and they're just so sad. Like, oh, okay. That, that's not what's happening here. And Joseph also isn't walking in like, okay, Mary, come on. I guess we have to. God said, don't really want to because, you know, not my kid. Think you but I guess since that's what God said, we'll do it. Right? No. Joseph is, I can only imagine, walking in, shoulders back, head held high, Mary's my wife, she's going to come home with me and be my wife today. What a strong, incredibly strong statement, because actions truly speak louder than words. His action was bold, and it affirmed not only his faith in God, but also his faith in Mary, that her word was true. And that her recollection of events was exactly how everything happened. And all those people that are around him grumbling and talking and gossiping and looking at them all differently now had to take a step back. Had to just look at Joseph and and, and be like, all right, okay. Joseph believes her. 
It had to make them think twice about their thoughts about Mary. May we all have the courage of Joseph when we realize that God is speaking in our lives to move immediately, regardless of the way that it might look, regardless of the traditions that we have had in place, regardless of what it may cost us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joseph today and say, God, whatever you want from me, whatever your will is for me, whether it doesn't make sense or it doesn't, I own up to it and I, I accept it. Would you sing this with me one last time and say, make me an offering for you, God. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing 
given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Sing, make me again. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. Lord, I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. I hope that's your prayer this morning, to say yes to God, whatever he's asking us to do. Sing a Christmas song here. favorite name for uh, for Christ Jesus during this 
holiday time through the, the Christmas season is Emmanuel, God with us. He, God chose to dwell with us, that we be sinful, that we be, um, you know, um, dirty and, and in need of forgiveness. He chose to dwell with us. He loves us so much that he decided I'm going to be not just become one of them, but to actually dwell with them. Uh, for 33 years, Jesus was on earth um, just being with us, and he's still with us today. He's still alive in us today. Amen. Let's sing one more song together this morning. Uh, a song we haven't sung in a long time called Worth It All, but I think it's a, a great um, way to respond to the message that we heard this morning. The chorus says, uh, I let go of all I have just to have all of you, and no matter what the cost, I will follow you. And I, I feel like that's a great response to what we read about how Joseph uh, followed Jesus. No matter what the cost was, he was willing to give it up because um, God is worth it all. Uh, so we'll sing this together before we go. Finally reach the end. I'll 
We will follow you. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed worship both in the message and in song. We hope that you'll be ready to join us next week. Again, whether that's in person or online, I firmly believe that it doesn't ultimately matter. What does matter is that we are worshiping together and that we are taking the time out of our busy schedules and our busy weeks to come together as a unit and dive into the word and to dive into worship and to dive into prayer. I hope that you'll take some time today to spend just a few minutes in prayer, praying to God about whatever it is that you may need to pray about. At the end of the day, we just want you to know that we love you, and every Sunday that we are not in person with you, we certainly miss you. We hope that you have a great week. Remember, choose second.